What do you say, Stefan? How you doing, man? There you are. How are you? There you are. Sorry about that. I was, oh, I was actually waiting for like the Zoom code, and, and I saw you on the text. So. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> it occurred to me the other day that of all the places we've checked in with around the country during this series, we'd neglected to call up our neighbors in Charlotte. So I put a call out to the great Stefan Hubner. If you've never met Stefan, he's the type of person you'll remember. He's tall and imposing, with a shaved head, a long beard, sleeve tattoos, and he's built like a linebacker. He's the type of guy that, if he told you that he used to dabble in professional wrestling, you'd probably just nod and go, okay, I'd, I'd buy that. He's also a spectacular host and a stellar bartender. He owns what might be the best cocktail bar in Charlotte, the much-beloved dot dot dot. Bars in North Carolina have been hit particularly hard with this shutdown since the state does not allow them to do to-go service for cocktails, and because they were not included in the first phase of the reopening. And while breweries are able to dole out growlers, for some reason the state refused to sanction bottled cocktails, rendering a lot of bars in dire straits. From Dirty Spoon Media, it's Home Fried, stories to keep you informed and entertained during the coronavirus lockdown. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and today it's my conversation with Stefan Hubner of Dot 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 in Charlotte. Yeah, okay, so uh, Dot Dot Dot, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, the backside of Park Road Shopping Center, classic cocktail bar, uh, jazz and blues, no TVs, small plate restaurant, um, but food is kind of only about 15% of what we do, you know, uh, mostly classic cocktails, high-end spirits list. So there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to do to go because we didn't have the the food element as like, you know, the only people who I really saw doing well were uh, to go food wise were like pizza places, Chinese food places, and then people that already had a good to go food program before it. Yeah. Um, Really didn't see anybody who went from being a traditional sit-down restaurant to truly executing uh, to-go food well. You know, especially with our kind of almost, you know, new American style menu, it doesn't translate to-go. You know, by the time it, those beautiful plate presentations and everything, throw it in a to-go box, by the time it gets home, it's just a pile of, of stuff all <laughs> and it's thrown together. Right. Looks like a um, Domino's pizza by the time it gets back to your house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, we just did a hard shut for the first five weeks. Stop paying all the bills. Pay Well, paid all our small farmers. Everybody who we thought needed the money got their money. Duke Energy, the city. Um, the landlord, all those guys, we were like, we'll pay you when we pay you. Right. Um, you know, I was a little more fortunate. Um, I run really lean. I come from the guy with that punk rock ethos and, you know, first generation American ethos where you have as much money in the bank as possible. I personally live really lean. Yeah. So, it, uh, you know, I had 150000 in the bank when everything happened. Mm. Uh, so I never had, I was fortunate. I never had the fear of we're not going to reopen. Right. Right. Uh, I knew that like that fear would come in December. If like we weren't open in December, that's when 
I, you know, I had, I had honestly six to nine months worth uh, of being able to pay the bills and just keep it things moving. Yeah. Um, so, uh, for about five weeks, that's when, um, it was just like, I need to get out of the house. Let's come up with something. Every week I was getting three to five requests to do like a cocktail kit. Like, Hey, you know, I was doing all these zoom. I had brands paying me to do zoom cocktail classes for their sales reps and had like, you know, people like, Hey, I want to have my birthday party via zoom. So <laughs> can you make us 10 cocktail kits? We'll come by. I'll come by and pick them up, deliver up to my friends. And then you could show us how to do this. Right. At that point, you know, after literally the 20 plus requests for it, it was like, okay, there's a business opportunity here. Yeah. Um, and so that's when we started doing the to go cocktail kits. Um, started I mean, we we went really hard on social media with it. So, it so what really did those wild. look like? What did the um, what did the cocktail kits look like? Okay, so basically it started with um, instead of doing like one cocktail, we did syrups, juices, and whatever else the garnishes, everything. But we made it to make anywhere from. 12 to 16 cocktails. So you bought a fifth and you had everything else to make a fifth's worth of cocktail. Yeah. Um, we purchased everything from Uline, which is a, a big conglomerate company. Um, so we were getting eight ounce, 12 ounce and 16 ounce uh, plastic bottles. Kind of like if you go to the juice bar and you get your fresh juice. Right. Right. That those kind of bottles. Um, so we, you know, but with, you know, Dot having a fairly great, like, good brand in the way we look. You know, I couldn't just throw shit in a quart container <laughs> and charge people 25 bucks. Right. So our packaging was really, really good. Um, the packaging cost almost as much as the actual product. Yeah. But, you know, we were getting $25 for a kit. Um, you know, after you bought your fifth, your 50 bucks in. So you're at like $3, $4 cocktail. You know, if you think about it like that, that's, that's a steal all day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the rest of the recipes were on the labels. They were really sexy and it, it, it was, it was done right. You know? Um, so first week, like 160 out of the gate, you know, a lot of support from just our regulars and our members who yeah. like that first part was just like, Oh, we want to help you guys. We're going to give you money. Right. Uh, and then they had them. And then the return business kept up. We got up to 290 kits one week. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, so that was like week four. Week five of that is when restaurants were allowed to reopen. Yeah. That dropped then to 100 <laughs> kits. Mm -hmm. Mm. And then dropped to like 70 kits last week. And that was about the same time that the state voted not to allow you to do alcohol in your to-go cocktails, right? You know what? Uh, well, no, no. That was uh, last week when I ended. You know what? Honestly, with that, um, I I don't know if I would have. I would have just, I would have kept doing the kits the way we were doing them. Yeah. And then maybe added 
two spirit forward, ready to drink cocktails. Right. Right. Um, it would, cause like the way we were doing kits had value for the people buying them and they were profitable for us. Yeah. Um, now the thing profitable, that's a very loose word because there wasn't even at $25 a kit, there wasn't that much money in it at the end right. after packaging and everything else. The big thing was keeping a rapport with our members and guests, keeping social media going. So that way when we reopened, we were in everybody's mind to went the first place to kind of come back to. Yeah. 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 Did, uh, What's it looking like for the reopening for you guys? How are you guys planning to phase in? Um, last Saturday. Uh, well, first off, being a private membership club that serves food in the statute, there's one section that says we're allowed to open and the other section says we're not allowed to open. <laughs> um, so I let a couple of the other people who are have the same license and the same kind of business model, I let uh, Crunkle Tin and Idlewild open up first just to make sure ALE didn't kind of come in and be like, Hey, you're not allowed to be open. Yeah. Cause the last thing I wanted to do is buy a kitchen full of food and then be told we couldn't be open. Yeah. Um, that was also the same weekend as the, pro the first wave of protests. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I was totally happy not being open regardless. Um, uh, so having that conversation at the bar with guests is just not something I wanted to do. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't want to talk about white privilege to a bunch of white people who have privilege. <laughs> you know, a bunch of white people not wearing masks at your bar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, because damn, I needed to, I've been waiting 10 weeks to get this drink. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> fucking exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we also weren't a hundred percent there. Um, at dot, we have gone well above and beyond what any of the state guidelines are for safety. Um, you know, everybody on the staff, uh, got recertified and serve safe. They put a COVID, uh, section in. So everybody took that, um, and we're doing temperature checks for the whole staff coming into work. We changed out the air filtration system in the bar. We have sanitation stations everywhere. Everybody's in a mask. Anybody handling food uh, is in gloves. Um, so sat this past Saturday, we started because we didn't want to just open up and be like, okay, let's figure it out. Um, yeah. We did... An Elijah Craig dinner, uh, 38 people, uh, ticketed event, one seating, everybody super social distance. I mean, we went from 89 seats to 38 seats. Mm. So we didn't even get our half occupancy, um, you know, because of social distancing. Right. You know, we went from 16 seats at the bar to eight. You know, it's, uh, it's just a little, uh, you know, the way the rules are set up right now and we're just trying to lose less money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we, you know, not being open, you know, definitely hurts the checking account, you know, doing, buying all these like peroxide based cleaner and, 
you know, handstand attack, all that stuff costs money. All these training costs money. Everything about this uh, to make people safer costs money. Yeah. And um, that just comes off the bottom line. Uh, you know, we we took a few price increases because, I mean, we were, we're already on the higher end right. of the price spectrum. So you couldn't take, there wasn't too much more to take. Um, but you know, like little things, I think people are going to realize the day of getting like the $9 and 95 cent hamburger in a sit down restaurant is over. Right. You know, the, like some of these people who are doing like, like more family owned, trying to do value driven isn't going to happen, man. That's going to be left up to the, the Fridays, the chilies, the, the big corporate conglomerates where they can get, you know, deals in purchasing, they'll be able to do it. But I mean, like ground beef is over $7 a pound right now, you know, that's an expensive freaking hamburger, you know, right off the bat, you know, your food costs on a $10 hamburger is going to be 50%. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think a lot of that stuff you're going to see disappear. I also think with people spending more time grocery shopping the last 10 weeks, they realize how expensive food is. Right. So it almost justifies uh, the price margin a little more for them. Yeah, I think so. I think people will start kind of seeing that, oh, you know, dinner now is is $40 a head. Yeah. You know, if you take the kids out and you're going somewhere like that, you're still going to be at at $20 a head. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so uh, like and then yesterday was our first shift back. Um. Seven hours in a mask sucks. <laughs> um, it, it was hard. Uh, there were probably three or four times I, I stepped out out into our little back hallway, just took the mask off for a couple minutes and, you know, just catch your breath. It's like weird because you just, you got to kind of almost retrain yourself how to breathe a little bit. Yeah. Catch yourself being a little winded, even though you're not really working that hard. Yeah. Yeah, we we did about fifty five covers last night. We went to reservation only, so we know exactly kind of who's coming in. We're allowing walk up if we have it. Um, people were really really nice. Granted, it was a lot of our our regulars who were there to wish us back on our first day. Yeah. Um, you know, people were very uh, very gratuitous. The money was they were very nice. Um, the problem I foresee, not so much like maybe during the week, but on the weekends is getting people to turn those tables. Right. It's their time out. All they want to do is be out. Yeah. So like, you know, yesterday table turns for about an hour and 45 minutes. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, people were just like, Oh, we're out. We're going to, you know, everybody had five cocktails, you know? Right. Um, and that wasn't really our business model pre-COVID. You know, we were the spot to come to before and after. If you had, and you might have had dinner somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but I think our model switched a little bit because people aren't going to go to multiple places in a night for safety. Yeah. Reasons. Yeah. I think I think our food sales are going to go up dramatic. People are going to come in, have dinner with us. You know, if they come in. Have as a couple have three small plates, 
and four to six cocktails, you know, it's a 150 buck table. Yeah. You know, that's uh, you know, everybody's going to make the house will make money. It's just, uh, I think initially getting people to like, Oh, I got to get up. You know, it's like, and how do you have that conversation with a table that made a reservation? It says on the reservation, you have a two hour limit. Hmm. They're spending money. They're having a good time and you have to tell them to leave. Right. Right. That's going to be, um, that's going to be a conversation at some point we're going to have this weekend. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know when or how or who it's going to be with, but it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. I wonder like, <laughs> and their answer is going to be, well, I'm spending good money and da, 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 you know, right. It's, it's just going to be a tough conversation to have. Yeah. I think it's putting most, you know, restaurant people in, in very comp or in very sketchy situations there where you're, you yeah. know, your, your capacity is so limited. Yeah. But, I'm just, and there's I, other, you know, hey man, there's other people who want to be having this good time just like you, yeah. you know, yeah, you know, but it's it's never, you know, this is a, a thing that has never been done in any place I've ever worked. You know, totally. you were always just happy to have asses in the seats. Yeah, um, you know, it's like, hey, come join us Tuesday. I'll have a seat at five o'clock, and you can have it till midnight. You know, right? But on the weekend, it, it, it might be a little tougher because you know, I need to get all three turns on Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering too, if you would speak to a bit about like how Charlotte responded to this whole pandemic and what the, what the community's response was like and, and um, did people take it really seriously? Did they, was there a big push to reopen earlier? What, what was it like being out there okay. during all this? Everybody, I have a completely different outlook than everybody else. The mother of my child is a respiratory therapist in the ICU. She oh, wow. was in the COVID. She was in the COVID unit. Wow. For the first eight weeks, mm. um, her, her just how her cycle fell. She was in the shit. I was watching my daughter every day for the first eighty days. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I went from the dad, the cool dad, she got to hang out with three days a week, to like having to be the badass, like. Yeah, you need to do your shit, you know? Yeah. I had to become the, the voice of reason and the hammer of God. You had to be the homeschool time. teacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I mean, I'm hearing the stories about how bad it is, you know, from her directly. Mm-hmm. So, um, you had, Charlotte did really well till he fucking opened uh, allowed restaurants to, to open. Yeah. Everybody was in a mask. Everybody was polite. Um, you know, you still had your your crazy conspiracy people. You see them. Um, you know, this is bullshit. I know my freedom is, you know, we don't need to have a bill of rights. We need to have a bill of responsibilities. <laughs> and as a citizen, when there's a pandemic, you need to wear a mask, you know? Right. Um, I wore a mask from day one. Lily did too. Anytime we were in public, um, you went to the grocery stores. It was probably eighty percent people wearing masks. It's pretty good. Um, all all the way through, even till like now, it's probably fifty fifty. Yeah. Um, people, I think people have 
there's a fatigue. Like, God, I'm still fucking doing this. I don't know anybody who got sick or, or this, you know. Right. And but right now, the hospital's the fullest it's ever been in Charlotte. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we, like, did as a city, did a great job flattening the curve. We crushed it. The health system never got, there was barely a hiccup. Um, Are you concerned that that's but, all for naught now? That no uh, without a doubt, I, I hate to be negative Nelly, but I'm pretty sure we'll see a second wave in October or November that's going to shut us down again. Yeah. And as a business owner, the first thing I said when we got closed down, I go, I just hope everybody takes this serious so I don't have to talk about it in August. Right. Right. That was like, and now, um, you know, I I applaud Cooper for a lot of the things he did right off the bat um, by making sure people took it serious. I thought, <coughs> excuse me, I thought the lockdown was handled brilliantly um, until the reopening. Yeah. I think it should have been done based on occupancy and not by style of license. Right. Um, because, you know, you have a place like OMB, Old Mecklenburg Brewery here in Charlotte. There's a thousand, they probably do 2000 people through the door, socially distanced on a Saturday. Hmm. You know, they have their beer garden and it's a complex and it's huge. It's like Sierra Nevada, like go to Sierra Nevada, you know, right, right. it has all the sprawling space. You're still putting a lot of people like, you know, there, there's a, the chance of having a person sick in a group of 3000 is a lot more likely than a group of 30. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, you know, and at the end of the day, it goes back to that being responsible. Like all you got to do, man, if you don't feel good, don't go out, stay at home. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I just have some concerns that, you know, and then like, I really wish like he wouldn't have opened on that Friday before Memorial day. He should have made everybody wait till Tuesday. Um, yeah. keep people in during Memorial day. Uh, sure. cause now we're seeing a huge spike in Charlotte. You know, it's two weeks after Memorial day. Mm. Um, you know, you look at places like fucking Myrtle Beach, it's the number one hot spot in the country right now. Yeah. Because everybody went to fucking Myrtle Beach for Memorial Day <laughs> and everybody passed it around. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, um, you know, coming back, we did really good um, as a city. Uh, we're starting to, you know, it's going to be interesting what it's going to be like next week, you know, uh, you know, a week after the protests. Yeah. Uh, two weeks after the protests. Um, Lily and I went out to one of them. We went to like a really churchy kind of one they had on a Sunday. But like I wanted to take her and have her see what, you know, how it's supposed to be. Right. And at my protest, 95% of people were in masks. Yeah. I it, don't know. It's been the same way here. Like everyone at the protest are in masks. Yeah. I mean, I will... Uh, I don't because since it was sponsored by a bunch of churches, I don't know if it was like in their church emails or what, it, like how how they got the word out. But the level 
of social distancing, people being respectful of space, people wearing masks was was better than anywhere else I saw. Like better than, like like the worst place, Home Depot. <laughs> right. Hands down. Um all the hardware stores, horrible. Yeah. Um, like I left uh, other than the post office. Post office is the worst. I wanted to take a shower after I got out of the post office. <laughs> um, but um people have done really good, man. You know, um the it's you know, the young I feel the young people have done good and the old people have done good. The people my age in their forties are the ones that are like they're the they're the ones that are butthurt that they have to wear a mask. <laughs> and, you know, they're the ones that are gonna be end up being the ones that get sick. Yeah. You know? How do you feel personally going back to work? Like that's is is it nerving <laughs> um, for you or are that, you concerned? Yeah, about that it? was that was a tough one going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Um, as a bartender, if I did not own the business, I don't know if I would have gone back, you know? Yeah. I could milk unemployment, make my nine fifty. That's probably what I'm gonna make working. I don't have to worry about getting sick. Um, I personally um probably would not have because my dad is uh right now it has cancer and he is in stage four. Like I haven't seen my mm. dad in 10 weeks. Yeah. You know, except from like across the driveway. Yeah. Um, cause he is the number one person in the vulnerability category. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I have two bartenders, one, uh, my buddy, Andrew Yorte, he who works with us, he, his mom, he bought a, like an old ranch house and basically turned it into like mom lives upstairs. He lives on the main floor and downstairs and, mm -hmm. you know, his mom's in her seventies and he, you know, he's like, I'm not really ready to deal with people and maybe bring this home. Right. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. You're good. You know, we're not forcing anybody to come back. We ask everybody who wants to come back, they can come back. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, it didn't help the the videos the first week of places opening, of like people purposely coughing on managers right. and like doing stuff. You know, yeah. Like if somebody did that to me, have you you seen Fight Club? Right? I'd be like, <laughs> you don't know where I've been, Lou. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, man, it, it'd be bad if somebody did that to me or somebody on my staff. Uh. It would be the end of them. <laughs> um, like to me, that's attempted murder. You know. Yeah. You know, so um, you know, nah, man, that just wouldn't fly. Mm. Um, as as a bar owner, when everybody else opens, you're kind of forced to. Your hands kind of forced. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, we took a little bit extra time. We've really implemented extra safety. Um, but at some point you have to jump back in the pool. Yeah. It sounds like you guys, especially with the format of what you guys do, you don't really have a choice. Yeah. You know, at some point, if you don't reopen, other bars will start taking your regular clientele. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we, uh, it'll like, you know, it's still really early into the mix. You know, we only have 
one day under us. We have a good amount of reservations for, you know, this week and next week. But, you know, we're also going into July, which is the slowest time of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll just see, you know, and I also think that we've lost at least a third of all people going out. Yeah. I think we have a third of the people are going to go out like nothing ever fucking happened. They don't give a fuck. You know, we're just going to live. It'll be, it is what it is. A third are not going to leave their house. And a third are just going to be a lot more cautious about where they go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love, there's some great bars in this town and I just won't go to them now because they're always over capacity, you know, even in, like I walked into Sanctuary, a great dive bar, uh, last Saturday just to check it out. After we got done with our event, I drove by, looked around. Man, they had people bellied up to the bar, no social distancing. Yeah. Didn't even have a drink. Walked in and walked out. Yeah. I was going to ask how if you've been been going out since things have, have reopened or I, how I, you're feeling about uh, that. I haven't been. I've been driving around and going through parking lots and, and looking in windows. <laughs> But uh, I uh, there's a great uh, bar on the east side by me, a little neighborhood spot that has really good to go bar food. I went in that first week that Memorial Day Saturday and got some to go food and it wasn't ready yet. And I ripped a beer in a shot and it was pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, it, just having somebody else, you know, somebody else give you a drink. There's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, totally. I was also wondering, like, now that you've been through this shutdown and you, now that you have a sense that it might happen again, um, what are your plans moving forward if it does? Do you have a, a, a way of weathering this maybe better than you did the first time with the business going forward, with your staff, with everything else? We will go straight day one into selling uh, to-go cocktail kits again. We will, uh, you know, because I mean, I might have left a lot of money on the table closing for those first five weeks. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's actually true because, you know, everybody was in that to-go kit right off the bat. And I kind of let everybody else fizzle out. Yeah. And then get ours. I feel like, you know, I didn't have to compete. Um, but I think we also now have kind of set the standard of what it needs to be and what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think we we would definitely do that. Um, got you know, like I said, we run so lean to begin with. Yeah. There isn't much um, I would change. You know, I did get PPP money, so that's going to help. Yeah. Uh, if it happens again, we would just need more government assistance in having them extend it again. Yeah. Cause it just didn't work. Like PPP didn't work for restaurants. If you're closed or how do you spend the money? Yeah. So their idea was to get people off unemployment, but if they don't have jobs to go back to, you know, you right. can't. Right. So, Yeah. Huh. Um, you know, just keep running lean. Uh, I would probably also find a way 
to maybe market and put uh, a set of guidelines or you know an FOB on just on how to do these Zoom cocktail classes. Yeah, like how to how to make find a way how to really make money on them. Um, whether it be you know you charge the host and they can let as many of their friends in, or you do it like via a code where you charge everybody five bucks. You know, find, but find a way because that I mean, like one of the biggest things we did um, to raise money uh, during it was we did a um, T-shirt. I didn't want to do a GoFundMe because I think if you're a business owner, you didn't sign up for other people to fucking charity your bar. Like <laughs> right. I, to, me, that, right. to me, that's just it, it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth and I just don't like it. Yeah. So what we did. We did our first ever merch deck. So we did a really cool, like, Charlotte-based dot, dot, dot T-shirt. Went through Custom Inks. They were 25 bucks a pop. All the money we make on them went to our staff. Yeah. Um, there was a donate button on the page. So you could add, you could just add money to it if you wanted. Hmm. Um, unpretentious palette here in Charlotte. Uh, Kristen Wiles, she's like a, a food blogger that is, does um she doesn't take advertising money yeah so it's subscription based um so she has probably about 800 people that pay her every month like i think it's like 399 or whatever and uh you know she gives really truly great restaurant reviews and awesome it's truthful and doesn't mind hurting people's feelings sometimes and yeah yeah you know, she does a really good job of always having the scoop on like what's going down in, in the hospitality scenes. Um, so she was doing cocktail classes uh, where we would split, she charged 10 bucks and then it would do a 50 50 split with the bartender. Hmm. Um, on one of mine, I raised 3,900 bucks. Wow. Yeah. Between tips and uh, between tips and ticket sales. Yeah. And, Man. uh, you know, every one of my bartenders got an $800 check. Awesome. But between the t-shirts and uh, the like Zoom stuff I did. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so we... So just more so of that going forward. Kind of having that, you know, also, you know, I feel might have contributed to maybe one or two of my uh, staff coming back early because they felt the loyalty of... You know, hey, my boss man looked out for me. None of my other restaurant friends got anything, you know. Stefan Hubner is the owner and operator of Dot 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 in Charlotte. Home Fried is a production of Dirty Spoon Media. I'm Jonathan Ammons, and I'm the editor-in-chief. I produce the show, and I write and record our interstitial music. Catherine Campbell is our editor-at-large, manages our website and marketing, and keeps the car running. To catch the latest season of the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour, be sure to tune in to 103.7 WPVM the first Friday of every month at 5 p.m. You can also catch up on back episodes of the show, stream any of our podcasts, check out our artwork from our contributing artists, or support us through our Patreon on our webpage, dirty-spoon.com. 
We'll be back with new episodes of Home Fried every Tuesday and Thursday, with occasional episodes on Saturdays. To subscribe, just search for the Dirty Spoon Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts. Always bringing you stories from the people who shape what we consume on the Dirty Spoon. Stay safe.